You're listening to Consolidate That. Ukraine is my motherland. It is now under a savage attack by Russia. Ukraine is shielding Europe and the rest of the civilized world from Putin's barbaric aggression. Ukrainians are brave and effectively fighting back. Let's help. Make a donation to Armed Forces of Ukraine. Link is in the show notes. Hashtag Stand with Ukraine. Welcome back to Consolidate That. Ivan, I'm really glad to be back. It's, I feel like it's been a little while since we've gotten together and done an episode here. It uh, has. Lots going it on. It feels like everywhere. almost you had like two kids along the way and we had a war. That's pretty much, for everyone listening, um, the magic of audio recording does not mean that we had a war and two children, but it has been a very busy time since we've recorded last. So happy to happy to get back and see you and see everything's going uh, going better than it has been. So um, very excited also for our guest today. She's spectacular. We had a great chance to spend some time together at one of the conferences earlier this year and uh, really excited to hear some more. Yeah, so uh, let's jump in. Today we have Dr. Sarah Wallace, and we're going to talk about the telehealth, but not just about telehealth as it is, but through the lens of Business Model Canvas, as we discussed in the last episode. Dr. Sarah Wallace is a veterinarian, telehealth expert, and staunch believer that our industry doesn't have to be this way. Prior to joining Galaxy Vet, Sarah experienced early career burnout, just like me, in the clinical setting and founded her niche in telehealth. In 2018, she helped Fuzzy Pet Health successfully build and launch a standalone telehealth platform. These experiences, along with her desire to create a sustainable working environment for veterinary professionals, have shaped Sarah's ongoing commitment to find ways to use telehealth to increase access to care and mitigate workload for veterinary teams. Sarah, very excited to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Ivan and Ryan. Thank you. Also, Ryan, this is Sarah's uh, first ever podcast, so let's make sure we make her as nervous as possible. Yeah, so it's good that uh, Sarah understands, you know, that we only record while standing on one foot. People don't know that from the background, but we only record on one foot and you must take a sip of water with your microphone on, but not make any noise between each sentence. So. Just follow those methods and you'll be perfect as a guest. Sarah, uh, tell me how you got into uh, telehealth and how, because for, for burnout perspective, uh, the way I felt is that I did not want to step into the exam room again. And by magic work of some professionals and medications, I ended up working longer as a veterinarian after, but I couldn't be happier than right now, staying in the industry and finding a different direction into technology and the business. What was the journey like for you to pivot and stay in the industry, but then focusing on a different angle? That's a very loaded question. Um, there, there's, there's so much I could say there. Um, so burnout for me was, I, I finished my internship and went into small animal general practice. And I probably entered one of the most toxic environments I, I could have imagined. I was working incredibly long hours. Veterinarians can relate to that, but um, having bosses who were emotionally abusive, verbally abusive, um, would just treat everyone like garbage. And burnout for me felt very much like you described, where I just didn't want to go into that environment anymore. I didn't want to be rushed anymore. I didn't want to skip 
uh, critical care information for patients because I needed to move faster or just jump to what was going to make the practice the most money. I didn't want to do that. That wasn't what I why I got into this industry. It was the unpredictability of I don't know what I'm going to walk into this today, and so I I just would rather not. And so I found found myself the way I describe it is circling the drain very quickly, and. I, I was lucky enough to have a person in my life at the time who said, it's okay to change your mind. I think for a lot of veterinarians, it's to walk away from the industry that you've spent your whole life building towards is is a form of failure. And I, I think without having that support to to say it's okay to walk away, I think a lot of people see it that way is I'm I'm failing for the first time in my life. And, and that's, it feels terrible. And so I actually walked away from the industry and ended up working in retail for a year just to make end, ends meet. And um, the, the pivot came when um, I said, well, maybe I could do something that, that feels good, feels good for the soul. So I started working for these little access to care clinics in Petco's in like pet, pet stores for a couple days a week. I was like, okay, I'm getting to work with these people that maybe can't afford care otherwise and really feeling like I made a difference. I would get hugs from people or high fives from people and they would say, thank you. Like no one else has taken the time to explain that to me. So thank you for doing that. And it was the first time I felt like I was actually getting closer to what I imagined as a child, but I could only do that a couple days a week. That's all they could offer me. And, And that's when I found an advertisement for Fuzzy Pet Health. Their model at the time was an in-home veterinary uh, wellness practice alongside this burgeoning telehealth practice. And um, I was hired for the the house call part of the business, but when I saw the potential for telehealth within that uh, that scope of practice, I kind of started saying, well, I'd like to try that. Will you, will you let me try that? I've never done that before. And starting to schedule time with them and they, thought I did an okay enough job that they they gave the service over to me and I was able to grow it from there. But what was beautiful was um, how it went from this passion for access to care that in, in doing that, in, in providing access to care for these pet parents, I was then able to start to see how telehealth could affect workflows, how telehealth could potentially pull workload away from those veterinarians because what is it that they really actually need to be doing so everything else could potentially be pulled into that virtual space and so i could i i started finding ways that i could ensure that my doctors went home in time just because i was there and i could do that work instead of them so that was that that was where yeah that that's where the passion really comes from so the fact that i did burn out and then uh Galaxy's mission, of course, to to address burnout and suicide in the profession, but being able to enable that through telehealth is just the best. Well, that's one side of things, and the other one is uh, is that the, the one that's facing the pet owners. Our mission is to provide access to care, so you couldn't better softball this towards what we do, and and sort of looks like a perfect place for what you're doing with us, which is phenomenal. One sort of key question that I wanted to uh, to ask: um, in was it a was it a privately owned practice with that environment, or was it one of the corporates? 
it was actually a privately owned practice. It was a two doctor, two location practice. I was wow. the third doctor um, in that situation where obviously the two other doctors were working seven days a week to, to man or woman the, the two other locations. Wow. So it's not all uh, corporate that is, and that's evil. So it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't all, evil comes in all shapes and, and, and kinds. So that, that's a phenomenal story. And it, you know, I, I wanted to ask you, why, why did you join galaxy? But I don't think that that question is relevant anymore because your story perfectly lands into where we're at and what we're trying to do. Uh, so with our purpose being decreasing the burnout in this industry and, uh, and returning veterinary medicine back to veterinarians while providing access to care to people where they need it and when they need it. So that's, that's phenomenal. And then, so let's, let's switch a little bit to what we, uh, we wanted to gear this episode towards because telehealth, there's a lot of episodes of podcasts and conversations and conferences about telemedicine, how you conduct it. Um, I want to ask the first fundamental question is, do you see why our industry uh, sort of, I call it failed, uh, other than like two, three companies, Fuzzy's exceptional, modern animal, but also most companies and most consultants I met that they said when the COVID hit, we implemented telemedicine in all our 50 hospitals. What is the difference between the way we're addressing it here uh, and how people are looking at telemedicine in any hospital that says, Let, let's buy software for telemedicine and that's a solution for all? Yeah, the, yeah, it's a great question. I get asked that question fairly often. I think there, there are a few different um, a few different answers, one of them being that this misconception that telemedicine is inferior medicine. And I think the reason I push back against that particular view is because right now I look at veterinary clinics with lines out the door where people who need care same day can't get care. And, and the result is they get nothing at all because there's no more space in that schedule. Those doctors and those nurses can't handle any more than they're handling. And they're already handling a workload that's way above what they should be handling. And so those pets that get turned away every single day, is it better that they receive no care at all or they receive some level of care? And that's where telemedicine and telehealth in general, sometimes it's a, a question about what sort of peanut butter can I give my dog today? Um, and, and sometimes it is there's diarrhea or some acute uh, medical condition that maybe a bland diet or some probiotics can help with that. And you didn't need an appointment in a physical practice. You didn't really need a physical exam for me to tell you to give a bland diet. There's workload in that sense where there are cases that really don't need to be seen in a practice. We can give them advice and set their expectations and say, if this gets worse, or if you see A, B, C, or D, then yeah, we really should get you into a clinic. But right now let's try this. And people are so grateful to have even that level of care because most of the time in those acute cases, we can end up solving that problem, whether it's because of something we did or because it was going to resolve on its own. So um, that part of it uh, during COVID or during the first wave of COVID, I guess we're still technically in it. I think a lot of practices took a telemedicine platform and tried to put it on. The way I describe this to people is it seems like they put it on like you would put on a hat. Like Here's my practice and here's the hat on top of my practice. And so they being veterinary practices used it because they felt like they had no other choice. And once you actually take away that need or the, the curbside that was prolonging 
uh, every single appointment that they were seeing. Once you took away that curbside care, you could take that hat off very easily because you aren't actually implementing telemedicine into your daily workflows to specifically take workload off of your team. All you're doing is making them additional appointments onto your workload that already exists. So I think that's how it's seen. It doesn't have to that be that way. Yeah. If yeah you I do saw it. the same thing because, you know, I was in the PIM space when that happened and we had a huge demand from every client that said, we need telehealth, we need telemedicine. And then it, as I even said, I think there was a big failure across the industry to implement that because of the major difference. I think you highlighted it when you talked about at Fuzzy, what you were doing. They didn't say, Sarah, go and do 10 appointments in person and then also do these 15 phone calls afterwards. You set aside an entirely different team and a different person to implement telemedicine. And I think that's probably the biggest difference there whenever we're talking about it. That's why I found it to be extremely beneficial. I've done a few telemedicine appointments. You've actually even done one for me, which was great because my dog was sick. And I was like, I, I just need someone to tell me that he's going to be okay. Yep, he's fine. Send me a picture. Okay, everything looks good. We're happy. Um, so Did I think you get that's an inferior really service though? No. I got a better service because I had experience. I had a two week, it was a two week time to get into the the doctor. Holy cow. And I said, he's sick. I just need to know that he's not going to, that everything's going to be fine um, through time because a lot of things heal through time. Um, And so that's been really interesting. And if you were to dive a little bit deeper sort of into your vision of where that fits within the business canvas. um, So within the structure and the, and the layout of the business. How do, you, how do you see that making a lot of sense for telehealth and telemedicine to fit into the overall structure of the business as opposed to as a cap or as a hat that you put on, but is actually something that's integrated within the, the structure? Yeah, the business model canvas is great because uh, it, it helps you to envision telehealth as a, a, a business, a standalone business, a business on its own, um, which, this is another argument I hear about telehealth all the time is that um, telehealth isn't sustainable on its own. And I've heard that from multiple places. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's very interesting. Um, and sure, it, it takes a little bit of, of finesse to figure out how that works. But to say it's not sustainable at all, um, I think is a little short-sighted because of the impact that telehealth as a standalone can have on that physical practice. If you can implement telehealth correctly and and effectively where you're taking workload off of those teams, you're potentially increasing the capacity of those hospitals to care for things that need um, a a higher workup or a, a more extensive workup. Um, and and potentially even seeing more cases overall. There is that there's that study that uh, we published. Well, Galaxy, I, I added myself into that. Um, the Galaxy published uh, a few months back, where we were talking about how um, after a veterinarian sees 21 cases in a day, their burnout has kind of reached that peak, and so it's it's overwhelming once they they have achieved or have seen those 21 cases. And part of me wonders, well, yes, but what happens? What has to happen for each of those cases? And if you could then distill what a veterinarian actually needs to do in each of those cases and pull the rest of that workload into the virtual space, 
then how many cases could they see in a day without having that incredibly high level of burnout? To go back to your question, the, the business model canvas helps us to see what it is that needs to go into telehealth so that we can provide this service, the service of access to care, but also the service of removing workload from that veterinary team. And so what is the value of that? And is that sustainable? So. Yeah, no, I, I love how you took it from the angle of value because the centerpiece of the business model canvas, which is not something that we talked a lot about business model canvas, but in, in the business model, or business plan when you're writing you're sort of focusing on all the sections of the business and you know how do you go to market and you know there's a lot of differentiating things that you uh, put in it but then when you build the canvas you start with the value in the center what value you deliver to a particular customer and then who is the customer and then how do you interact with them and then how do you what as the channels how you deliver this value and then that's sort of what we call the front stage of it and then the backstage is what are the resources and processes and you know costs associated with it that you need to uh, put together and then eventually how do you monetize it that creates an business on its own and then if you articulate it clearly not being a supplement to curbside as you said i love that you actually pull that in because the curbside and COVID is gone we don't need telemedicine anymore well that was an opportunity of our industry to adopt the new workflows and we failed like that's <laughs> what happened and and i think i'm hoping that galaxy and you know modern animal and there's a couple other startups that are putting the telemedicine and teletriage at its heart and at the heart of the processes where there's separate teams working together there's definitely certain the technicality that needs to happen that the medical record continuity between the different between the the telehealth team and the physical team but so it is in the different shift between two veterinarians seeing the same pet, you know, accessing the same medical record. It's exactly the same. So I love the fact that you are, uh, that, that you're talking about, um, you know, the fact that it's, it's, it's just doesn't have to be inferior. And, and it drives me nuts when people charge less for telemedicine appointments. Did you use the vet that is stupider than, than the one that wasn't there? Or do you downgrade their education because that you've seen a vet through Zoom or phone or whatever that is? It's, mm -hmm. I, just, I just don't buy it. So I think that that's uh, I think that that's that's very important. The reason why I introduced the business model canvas to it is to help um, you and and other team members to understand that we're a big big structure. So Galaxy has galactic size and the processes implemented and telehealth is one of the processes but it's also a mini business did that give you that lens into okay what i'm doing is not just stand up you know a couple people doing a couple things but it has to be sustainable uh, was that the the end result that we achieved with that exercise i think it definitely was uh it's sort of emboldening to to look at it in that way that it is a standalone business right and it, and it can be seen that way exactly for the reason I was talking about earlier is um, I can argue that point verbally if if someone says it's not a, a sustainable uh, telehealth isn't a sustainable thing to do but then I can point to this and say I built it here it is that's kind of cool uh, so yes it, it it definitely gave me the confidence in in looking at it in a very succinct square little format like yes this could be a standalone business and this is how yeah and it's and it's a one pager and and again if, if someone is going to refer and google the business model canvas the middle portion on the top is the value so you can't build a business without creating value for someone and uh and i hate 
businesses that start with, oh, the value that we create, we earn money. You need to create value to a particular customer segment. And then while delivering the value, you're spending certain amount of money, which is the cost structure on the business canvas on the left bottom. And then on the right bottom, there is the revenue stream that you receive associated with delivering that value. And the difference between the cost and revenue is your profit. And that's where you're gaining profit on top of it. But if you think that the value of the company uh, creating is that profit, your company is not long lived. The value should be something that customer values long term. And uh, and I hope that in this new era, we not we got rid of well, we're getting rid of uh, the curbside. Um, and I don't know if it's in the US, but I hope that uh, the workflows that we're implementing that will stay not for the reason of COVID, but for the reason of increasing throughput. And that's the problem in the industry today. I think that consolidators that are trying again to create their value creation plan is within the cutting the cost, not providing more value to people. Again, they're not sustainable until they resell. So I think that, and, and I think telemedicine is one of those things that we not only creating a separate value, but we also supplying the market that is short on staff and talent. And I think that uh, that creates a completely new section in the veterinary domain where we're addressing the lack of veterinarians. And the more I talk about this and the more I see our results in 800 people applying for a job at Galaxy since September, again, it's not the talent scarcity. It's the good job opportunities where people want to work is what we're lacking here today. We usually ask uh, our uh, guests about a book, uh, a YouTube video, a TED talk, or something that inspired you recently that you would recommend to the listeners to look at. Sure. Uh, the book that inspired me the most recently is called The Infinite Game uh, by Simon Sinek. It's his newest book. Uh, the, it's a do you want me to describe it? Please do. Please <laughs> okay. Do. Yeah. Right. Uh, so it's it's a book about uh, that looks at two different kinds of games. Um, a, a finite game is a game that has basically defined rules, defined players, and you have a defined endpoint. Uh, so something like a game of chess would be a finite game. There's a definite stopping point. Um, an, an infinite game uh, is should be something like business, where you're you know, players come, players go, the rules change um, as you go along, as regulations change or a new innovation comes out. But the goal, so business is is an example of an infinite game. The goal is to stay in the game. It, there's, there shouldn't be an end point. But the, the reason this book spoke to me was because I see so much of um, what should be an infinite game in the veterinary industry being played like a finite game where the end goal is the dollar. So yep. <laughs> there's uh, for doctors, you have to reach a certain level of production to get a, to get a certain extra benefit or what have you, or we need to get X amount out of each customer or whatever. But when you put that finite uh, endpoint into an infinite game, the result is you have employees that aren't inspired, that don't wanna play that particular game. And so I see this so much in the veterinary industry where all people want to do is they want to help and they want to create a world where pets don't have to suffer, or at least we can have ways that we can help them in a continuous fashion. But there are all of these rules around, well, uh, you'll hear people say, 
well, they're poor, they don't have enough money, they shouldn't have a pet. And I wholeheartedly disagree with that. Like if we're gonna actually help pets, we should try and help all pets. And so part of that infinite game is how do we solve that problem? And yeah. so, so the, the, yeah, I, I highly, highly recommend it. I, I heard he's talk about this. I haven't read the book yet, but it really, really drew my attention. There's two sort of examples that, um, that I can see in our industry as we were working with console leaders, most console leaders have their finite game is the exit strategy. They, mm -hmm. they accumulate and optimize businesses, not for sustainability, but for exit price. Yeah. And if your strategy fundamentally depends on the exit number, yeah. you're not going to optimize the experience. You're going to optimize the final outcome. And that's unfortunately what's happening because, and again, I hope uh, with our mission, returning vet medicine back to veterinarians, is that we're doing everything to optimize the experience without the final you know, goal in mind, maybe we'll IPO, but that's just the instrument to continue sustaining in the hands of veterinarians. But you know, my goal in this is to optimize the experience so we don't burn out. So I love that you brought up this book. And the second one I like, this Simon Sinek refers to Vietnamese war. And unfortunately today, I really, when you mentioned this book, I really felt about the Ukraine. And that's where Russia and Ukraine are at, at different games. Russia has the finite goal to capture the entire Ukraine or displace the government and denationalize the, the, uh, the people. And we have an infinite game to live in yes. our country. So I think that's that's a really great example there. I'll try not to cry. So <laughs> and then the uh, the uh, and the second question that we ask: uh, Who do you think that we should invite uh, to this conversation to continue on our um, journey here? Well, one of the the topics that um, I mentioned a few times throughout this session is access to care. And I, so I think that Tina Stofiel would be a great person to, to come on here to talk about what we're trying to do with access to care in terms of membership. Definitely. Yeah. I think she would be a great candidate. Well, Sarah, I think you did about two out of 10 for the first episode uh, of podcast. Wow. <laughs> I was going to give her a much, I was going to give her a three and a half out of 10. You're I generous. Mean, you did phenomenally great. So yeah. uh, thank you. Thank you for participating well, in this. And, uh, and, and uh, anyone listening to, I was just going to throw out there. I mean, if you dive into a deep conversation with Sarah, she has a wealth of knowledge on a ton of different things and um, a huge, very, very cool background. So if you enjoyed chat, hearing Sarah chat, I would definitely reach out to her because I think there's a lot of really cool things that I learned from her in the in the times that we've been together. So, As we were Sarah, stealing again, the car from Talker to team together. Yes. yes. Well, you know. That crime bonds all. So I there you go. filmed the uh, the uh, Waffle House incident. That's right. The link to this episode as well. Uh, I mm -hmm. hope that our producers will do that, as well as the uh, <laughs> link to um, help to Ukrainian uh, armed forces. Uh, hashtag stand with Ukraine. And I wish everybody in the Ukraine uh, safe next 24 hours and that the war will be over soon. Sarah, thank you for joining us. Thank you both for having me. And best to Ukraine, of course. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to Consolidate That. If you want to hear our new episodes, please find us on any podcast platform. Also, you can learn more about us on our website at vetintegrations.com.